My name is Daniel. And I'm Sarah. And we are hosts of The Disciples Mike, a podcast produced by Woodbury Lutheran Church in Woodbury, Minnesota. And this show is all about learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And on this episode, we are talking with James Bogert, multi-site tech director at Woodbury Lutheran Church. You're going to hear about how God has led James into tech ministry, the crazy journey that his family went on that led him to WLC, what it's been like being in a role that can be oftentimes be so behind the scenes, and what role tech will play in ministry going forward. So sit back, get ready. This is The Disciples Mike. Good morning, guys. It is not morning. It's not morning, but... <laughs> You know, that's actually a really hard thing in ministry is whenever we're doing our online services, James, it's great we have you here because you've seen this many times where we're recording our online service and it's just so natural to say good morning. I mean, forget the online service, like any evening service ever. Yeah, Lent. Oh my gosh, I did that so many times during Lent. Good morning. It's not morning. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely well into the afternoon. Yes. One may even say that it's... At what point do you guys switch over to early, like switch to saying evening? Mm. Probably five. Five is like yeah, evening. So we time. are drawing upon evening. Okay. Here. But it's still afternoon. And happy 4th of July weekend that we just got off of. And also with you. <laughs> and also with you. Uh, did you guys have any fun 4th uh, of July plans? That you did? Uh, Sarah, you were up at the, your cabin. I was up at the cabin. Fourth of July is a big deal for our family. Okay. Like, Tell me more. It's the one holiday, like big holiday, where we aren't doing a bunch of stuff because Christmas, Easter, Guy Fox Day, I don't know. Um, right. I don't know why Guy Fox Day was the, I don't even know what that holiday is. Uh, but it's a big deal. So like I, we are fireworks family. Okay. Well, I, okay, real quick. I've got a hot take that is probably really unpopular given what you just said. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big, uh, fireworks are overrated. Wow. That is my, uh, you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, no Um, matter how wrong it is. I think we need to go down this a little bit farther because like, I think there's two different sides. The you doing fireworks or you watching someone else's fireworks. Right. That's true. So which are you? Do you shoot your own fireworks? Of course we do. I, I forgot how many fireworks we had. Um, and I was cleaning out the garage and I found our fireworks box and so it's like one of those banker boxes and it's just filled to the brim with black cats, bottle rockets, M60s, like the the, the big black cats, Roman candles, right. like Ooh, mortars. Do you ever shoot the Roman candles at each other? Do you ever have a Roman candle no, war? No, because I'm a safe person. Okay, well, I've never done it either. Don't worry. Um, James, what was your 4th of July like? <laughs> There were some fireworks involved. I was hanging out with Pastor Tom and a couple other folks from the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some good food, some good time hanging out, and then walked down and watched the Woodbury fireworks. Nice. And how would you uh, scale one to ten? How would you rate the Woodbury fireworks? They're pretty good. (laughs) Sounds like a six to me. (laughs) Yeah, again, it's that. The difference between launching your own fireworks and watching someone else's fireworks. That's true. Those are bigger. They are bigger. But it's more exciting to launch your own. It is. Yeah. We had, um, did you guys know that they make Star Wars uh, fireworks? No. I did not know that. I, I, I didn't I until did, I almost even, said this I, Halloween. I'm, I'm trying to even think of what that would even mean. So my my cousins, we always get together with my cousins. They're a lake over from us. And so like growing up, like I think there's been 
the four years when I was working for YouthWorks were the only four years I haven't celebrated Fourth of July with them. So like my cousin's dad, who's not my uncle, still my cousin. It's a complicated thing. I don't. Never mind. We're not going down that rabbit hole. Um, next episode. Next episode. Sarah's family tree. Yes. So my cousin Al taught me how to set off fireworks when I was a kid, and so it like. We were safe. He was a doctor. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I've been setting off fireworks since I was probably too little. Um, and so, big fireworks family. My cousins found Star Wars fireworks specifically for my brother. And so, it was a uh, Millennium Falcon oh that was supposed to spark and then shoot and, like, fly places. But it exploded in different directions. And so, then it just sparked. And then the Millennium Falcon lit on fire. <laughs> so there's that and then there was a baby yoda wow and sparks shot out of his head but the fuse it was almost a dud but they spent too much money on it so we macgyvered it so that it would still go off and so we yep. set another firework on top of it to make it go down and then explode wow we're a big fireworks family i i have not uh delved that deep into the world of fancy fireworks you know Yes, you need to celebrate the 4th of July with the Dibberns. Apparently. Yep. I didn't get the invite, did you? I didn't either, yeah. Next summer 2023. Everyone who's listening is invited. Everyone who's listening, come to Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. You can set off fireworks with Sarah Dibbern. Star Wars fireworks. Star Wars fireworks. Well, there we go. Uh, Thanks for listening this week, guys. Thanks for listening this week. (laughs) Uh, James, you've listened to our podcast before, um, so you know that... Uh, it's really only fitting that we start off with the most important segment, Sarah's random question. So both of you guys really like uh, board games. That is true. Yep. Um, what is your least favorite board game? Ooh. Wow. You know, my daughter, um, she just turned three. Uh-huh. And we just got our bunch of board games for her birthday. And she's loving them. It's exciting. She wants to play all the time. But Candyland is a terrible board game. <laughs> I guess that's good for a three-year-old, like yeah, following directions. Right. But like part of what makes a board game good is like the the crunchiness of like getting in there and thinking strategy, yeah. planning out your moves, figuring out how to like rig the system. There's just like none of that in Candyland. <laughs> sure. No rigging the system. No rigging the system. You know what was my favorite? thing about my childhood copy of Candyland is you know you have the deck of cards that you're drawing from but we played it so much that you could always see where the what's the name of the worst card you can draw it's the uh what's the guy that pulls you all the way back you know to the beginning the yeah, first there's all like the little like candies the, and lollipops and popsicles and stuff right well, the newer version well whatever it's the worst card because it yeah. pulls you all the way back to like almost like the, the beginning. molasses whatever something like that is it bent in half but it's just crumpled because <laughs> from us just like getting so mad whenever it comes up. And so you can literally just see it moving up in the deck as you go. And so there's no uh, no surprise or anything like that. That that was actually pretty high up there uh, in terms of uh, boring games. Um, I'm not a big Clue fan. Not a big Clue guy. Um, mainly because, I don't know, you can... I, I find like I'll figure out who it is, but then you have to be in the same, there's something like you have to be in the same room as the person to like make the accusation. But then if someone else accuses you, it like pulls them or I don't know, there's some weird thing where it was just 
not very fun. Mm. Not a big clue guy. Okay. No. I have Harry Potter clue. Now that. I have never made it through the end of the game because it is very complicated. Um, because it's not just like uh, Professor Snape in Dumbledore's office with a candlestick. It's like you can use spells. Oh, my goodness. And it's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. That sounds intense. It, Yeah. That's why I've never finished it. Yeah. Wow. Still Very, not going to ask me. I, I thought that. What do you mean? About my least favorite board game. Oh, I thought that was your answer. No. Oh, oh, sorry, Sarah. She, she likes that one. Oh, you like. Oh, sorry. You like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking I don't like Clue. Sarah, uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. What's your least favorite board game? All of them. You hate board games. I hate board games so much. Oh, Sarah. And why Why do you think that is? This is, let's turn, pivot, <laughs> a little like psychology uh, uh, question here. Uh, what, what's going on? Why? What's wrong with board games? Well, when I was a kid, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I walked into James's office earlier today and I had to reassemble a camera, um, a tripod, and I lost my attention span after a couple of minutes trying to mess with a thing. Okay. That is why I hate board games because I have no attention span and you could explain all of the rules to me. And by the time I get to the last rule, I have no idea what the first few are. That's fair. Yeah. So I like pretty, pretty princess. There you go. Um, and a, a Quelf. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the first games uh, Kaylee and I ever played together. Yeah. I like Quelf and it stops there. Mm. Like I even played Dungeons and Dragons for Whoa. Uh, a Nerd. hot minute. I wanted friends, <laughs> Daniel. That I, was, I was a wizard that, named Dorcas. That, hey, that's cool. <laughs> very <laughs> biblical of you. I had an that animal. Is, that is very biblical. My animal good companion good job, Sarah. was an owl named Luther. Wow. You were sound on your doctrine. I, <laughs> hey, if I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons, at least I'm going to be doctrinally sound. Yep. That's great. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, James, what's the uh, longest board game uh, you've ever participated in? Oh gosh, probably the longest one was a game of Eclipse. That's okay, a, yeah, a big space exploration. That's a very fun game. Uh, but the longest one for me is similar to Eclipse, uh, Twilight Imperium. Yep, you beat me. Uh, which is literally like all day. I mean, you get there early in the morning and you're not finishing until late at night. Um, it's wonderful. Sarah would hate it. Um, you would lose me after the first. Like, I mean, like. The fact alone that you just said it starts early in the day, hard pass. Oh, it's joyous. I highly doubt that. It's so joyous. Yes. Daniel, we should play a board game together before oh you my. leave. <laughs> like now that she's saying she doesn't like board games, I feel like we got to find the game that she's gonna like. Right. I know it's the challenge. I'm what? already thinking through this <laughs> one. Something like really fast-paced, like just basic rules. Maybe like even dexterity game. Something where you know physically getting doing something. Uh, you know. What kind of board games are you physically doing something? Oh, Twister? It's a world, Sarah. You have no idea. But we don't have time for that. <laughs> we have much more uh, important things to talk about. We should talk about you, James. Uh, we are so glad to have you on here. I think it's cool because we have a lot of our Woodbury Lutheran Church uh, community listening uh, to this podcast. And you are the newest staff member of people we have on. I'm pretty nope, sure. Andre came on staff in the fall. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's true. But how long but he's been at Woodbury? Yeah. He's, he's been around right. longer than that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Um, so newest to dub, I mean, second to you. So that is true. I guess technically I am <laughs> the newest. Thanks Sarah. Yep. Um, <laughs> 
But anyways, I kind of just want to let people uh, give an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so first off, uh, you've been here for, I was curious, when when was the first day you got here? Are you coming up on a year here? I just hit a year a couple weeks ago. Did we throw a party? No. There is very little fanfare. Oh my god! I was expecting at least a little. We were too busy none. having events at the... The event at the property was oh, all for you, James. That was that yeah. was your party. Did, weren't you able to relax? <laughs> I mean, that was kind of like the one year anniversary for me because one year ago I came out the day before and like that was my first exposure to attending WLC. Yeah, right. And then I started the Monday after putting everything back together after that event. <laughs> wow. So the party that was all for you. That was for you. Not the community. Yeah. Not anyone else. Just you. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. But anyways, how uh, how has your first year been? Has it been solid? Yeah, it's been pretty great, actually. I've um, kind of took a pivot in ministry coming out here, um, changing um, what I was doing from worship side of things to the technical side of things. And I've really enjoyed it. I think that lines up a bit more with my passions. And so now I've gone through a whole year, which means Christmas and Holy Week and our big summer event. Yeah. We've made it through everything. And... I think in general, things have gone pretty smooth and it's been a lot of fun challenges to work with a new team of folks trying to accomplish all those things. Yeah, it, the you kind of get the, feel the rhythm of the year, it's like Christmas. And then it was so funny after Christmas, I thought things were going to like settle down more in Jan- like January or so. I was like, oh, we've got, you know, a little, little break here. And then like our first worship meeting in January, we're like, so about Lent. And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Yep, and then that you get a little bit of a breath, yeah. And then it's now we're doing another service every week, in yeah. The middle of the week, yeah. But it was great, and uh, so I'm curious if you kind of take me all the way back. How early on in your life did you start to see this interest in tech? Maybe even a uh, kind of a calling towards using tech with ministry. When? How early on did you start to kind of see that? Yeah, back when I was in high school, is kind of when I first. Like felt that calling into ministry. I had some great leaders at my church, and I was part of the the worship band there in high school. And like in junior high, like I aspired to be in the worship band. Made it in high school, part of that band, and was like, I want to do worship and play music at churches when I get older. Like that's the thing I'm going to do. We had gone on field trips to Concordia's with our youth group, and so I had been exposed to Concordia universities, and so like I kind of just knew that that was the path I wanted to take. And throughout that, I was always a little bit on the technical side of things just because I understood how things worked. I enjoyed computers. I, in high school, thought I wanted to go into engineering. So I did a bunch of engineering stuff, um, but went into the worship ministry, was uh, studied music at Concordia Irvine. And um, through my internship, it kind of worked out that the guy at my internship that was the tech director took off right as I was finishing on my internship. They're like, well, hey, James, you've been helping us with tech stuff here. How would you like to just stay on and be a staff member now as the technical director? And I thought that sounded great. And so my first um, job outside of school was not as a worship director anywhere, but it was as a tech director. And I got to kind of grow in through that. So that was pretty neat. And that's kind of how it all started for me. And that was in... Arizona? Is that or no, Cal- that are we talking in California? Right California, now? Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Which part of California? Orange County. Ooh. I bet it's pretty there. It's pretty good. Yeah. 
I've never been uh, in that part of you California. You seem like you would fit in well in Southern California. What are you trying to say about me, Sarah? I'm just looking at you right now, <laughs> and I feel like you <laughs> would fit in well. Like no one, no one would bat an eye Thank if you. you just moved to Orange County. Wow, thanks, Sarah. Like Ryan Atwood vibes from the OC, right? Which do you even know? Nah, I've no do idea you know that? About. I've never watched the OC, but I'm familiar. So I went to Hollister last week. Uh, because I wanted to relive my high school years. Uh, and my brother and I went to Maplewood Mall, which is like the mall that all the teenagers hung out at because there wasn't an age restriction like there was at Mall of America. Mm-hmm. And so you could go there and be a teenager, whatever. And so I walked into uh, Hollister and instantly needed to watch an episode of The O.C. <laughs> so I did when I got home. That's the end of my story. <laughs> That's a great story. Thank you. So you should you would do well in California is what I'm saying, Daniel. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like from what you're saying that your interest in tech, or at least a lot of your knowledge, would you say it was just from like personal interest and kind of just self-teaching, yeah, look, definitely. looking stuff up, you know? Yeah. When I was in college, um, I was kind of like the lead sound guy for all the chapels and stuff that happened there. And so whenever there was outside groups coming in, they hired me to be the guy that ran sound. And so that was some of my first exposure. And I had um, some mentors around that helped me grow in that area. And then definitely experience at that first church. It was, here's the things you got to do, like figure out how to do it. And so a lot of what I know is self-taught and yeah. just learn from experience. Yeah, I had a similar, so I, similar experience early on in like middle school, our, for our chapels, they said, hey, we need a, someone to do some, just run the soundboard, you know, very basic stuff put me in it and like that's where my learning started which just gets me thinking like now that kind of we're on the ministry side of things how can we equip young people to who have an interest in tech which there's a lot of kids who are very interested in that kind of stuff and and help um even you know give them responsibilities and and allow them to kind of grow in that aspect i think that's that's probably super important for for bringing kids along and having more people who know how to run things. Yeah, totally. And like our youth groups, we tend to draw folks from those as we recruit onto our teams. Yeah. So we got a bunch of youth folks on our teams and it's great. Which I think is super cool. Like I think the tech and worship team does a great job at that of, like I can look at your team and see like a handful of students and it's really because uh, like adults like you guys are like, hey, we could, let's figure this out together and I want to show this to you and then I'm going to hand it off to you so that you have something that you are claiming ownership of. Because like we know that with teenagers, like once they can look at the thing and be like, that's me. Like they're going to want to keep coming back to keep serving because there's an adult who trusts them to do this thing. Yeah. So me, your resident youth minister, is always really excited <laughs> when when other adults reach out to these students and be like, hey, come up alongside me as we figure out how to do this, and then I'll let you do it on your own. Yeah. I'm also curious, so kind of the perfectionist in me is thinking, uh, how do you wrestle with, you know, equipping, you know, kids to learn, to to start doing these things? But I feel like doing that, you have to sometimes sacrifice <laughs> quality. And, you know, like letting a kid you know, run a soundboard, you might have a sound issue or something, you know, how do you kind of balance that? So that's, yeah, that's the struggle. It's the expecting professional results with volunteer staff. I mean, Mm -hmm. so there's always that dichotomy there. 
Um, but when it comes to training up new kids or adults or whoever it might be, first I got to give a shout out to Nicole Murray. Like, oh, she's woo-woo. so good. Yeah, she's, she's so good. Yeah, and she yeah. is one of our youth leaders, and so she's mm-hmm. got that kind of connection that she bridges between the youth group and the tech team. So she's our Valley Creek tech lead, and so she's behind the soundboard most most Sundays at Valley Creek. Uh, but she does a, such a great job of not only recruiting folks, but also training them up. And so a lot of times on Sundays, you'll see a person or two hanging out back in the tech booth shadowing. And so they get to start off by shadowing and watching and talking through all the different things that are happening. And then if it's the soundboard, she'll be like, all right, you pick a song, listen to it this week, familiarize yourself with that. And then on Sunday morning, you're going to sit behind the soundboard for that song. Hmm. And so it's just they get one little bite-sized chunk yeah. And then as they get more and more comfortable, those chunks of time behind the soundboard get a little bit bigger until they're ready just to just fly solo. That's really awesome. Yeah, that's that's really, really cool. So I'm curious, uh, being here a year, uh, it's funny, you know, we've been able to see a little bit of just the craziness of what this last year has been like for you. But I don't think everyone uh, at uh, Woodbury necessarily or, or any listeners outside I know exactly just what all that, you know, your your family's gone through uh, over this last year. So can you just give us a little bit of a overview of <laughs> a, year, a year ago, <laughs> all the things, all kind of the steps along the way and fun, we'll say fun things that happened. Yeah. I and mean, so first, um, Joel Wettstein, the worship director, reached out to me back in January and said, hey, you want to consider this thing out in, in Minnesota? And I said, no. Um, <laughs> My wife, being the good wife that she is, said, hey, James, you always just said that you'd be open to what God is calling you to do. You should at least give me your resume. Like, okay, you're right. Dang it. Yeah. And so I did. Darn wise. Yeah. And so that transitioned into me coming out here in March and interviewing in person and like falling in love with the community here. Like there's a lot of places you go and there's people that are nice, but they're also kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like weird off-putting like nice. me and sarah like me and i mean <laughs> you guys fit that description to a t mostly sarah mostly it's sarah. fine but during uh the few days i was out here it was me and my wife and our daughter at the time i'm um, like everyone was super nice and it felt like genuine nice like they were happy to have us here and like it felt really comfortable and a natural fit and so that ended up turning into us accepting the job and came back out in, in May and said, Hey, let's buy a house. So I came out here for two days with the goal of buying a house. And wow, that was stressful. Also, <laughs> it was just me buying a house without my wife. Oh man. <laughs> she trusted you. She trusted me. There was wow. a couple of video calls, walking yeah. through models. That's crazy. Um, so that ended up being a cool thing. And so we ended up going with the new build and the date they gave us was middle of November. The house is going to be done. So we said, great, we can do that. And so I moved out in June, lived with uh, by myself with a couple from the church um, until the end of September, I believe, or the end of August. And then beginning of September, my wife and my daughter and our dog moved out, and we all stayed in a very, very cozy Airbnb, little studio apartment above a garage. And we were there um, through the end of November because that was when our house was supposed to be done. Well, our house wasn't done because supply chains and COVID and all that stuff mm. was a thing. And so we were lucky enough to find another couple at the church who was willing to take in me, my wife, my daughter, and my dog. And so we moved into with them for two weeks. 
And then um, Pastor Paul Fotenhauer, Pastor Tom's dad, and Rhoda Fotenhauer, well, they head on down to Mexico every winter, and they were generous enough to let us stay in their house for the winter. And so after those two weeks with the other family, we moved on into the Fotenhauer house and uh, camped out there for the winter. And in the midst of all the transition of moving across states at different times and starting a new job, my wife was also pregnant during this time. Yep. And we gave birth to our son, Finnick, on December 29th. So that was a little crazy too. So not only new baby in the middle of the winter, but also just a couple days after Christmas. And his due date was December 13th, I believe. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so like that was a stressful Christmas thinking, oh my gosh, when is this kid going to show yeah, up? Yeah, like one of the most <laughs> and important. Need, yeah, and I need to be ready to leave like oh at the drop of a dime to go like take care of my wife and stuff. And so there was all sorts of backup plans in, in time for Christmas, so. That's crazy. And so we were there, and then we finally had a house that was finished building right at the beginning of March, and we got to move in. And so wow, a handful of transitions. And so, yeah, moved out here in June and finally moved into our house in March. Yeah, that uh, that's crazy. That's, that's a lot. So yeah. now that you've lived here in Minnesota for a full year, uh, Two questions. What's the biggest difference you notice between the people in Arizona and Minnesota? And, you know, I'm going to ask the question everyone wants to know. Weather. What, uh, what's the biggest difference? That is true, yeah. 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 So I'll go weather first. Um, like, I don't think I get to fully experience the whole winter because I lived, like, literally across the street from the church. <laughs> and so, like, my commute in the morning was, like, put on my boots, put on my winter coat, and walk across the street. And then that was it. This upcoming year, I'll be driving up from Cottage Grove. And so, like, I'll experience being out and driving through the winter a little bit more. So I think that'll be different. Otherwise, like, it wasn't all bad. My, <laughs> my wife was pregnant and then had a new baby. And so she was basically inside all winter, too. Wow. So and we'll see what happens after so this, this winter. Yeah, this winter is going to be way different for but, sure. But you had to buy a whole new wardrobe, I'm assuming. Oh, yes. For- like, thousands of dollars. <laughs> on- it's like... Yeah, when I came out in March last year to interview, I, I had to buy a new jacket like for March. Wow. Just because it was like cold and rainy and I didn't have anything waterproof. And so, yeah, definitely a whole new wardrobe. In terms of the people, um, like the neighborhood we lived in in Arizona was like smaller townhouse style homes where all the garages were on the back off of an alley. And so like people pulled into their garage, closed the door before they got out of the car and you just never saw anyone like ever and so we lived there for five years and knew like two of the neighbors and like we here we have the benefit of being in like a new build with a whole bunch of new people so everyone on our street is new also we've got a driveway and one thing i've noticed about minnesota is like people like hanging out in their garages and in their driveways (laughs) it's true like that's not a thing in arizona everyone's just like inside where the ac is right and here it's like I'm going to set up the grill in the driveway. We're going to put a play pool in the driveway for the kids to play in. And like everyone just hangs out outside. We've had power outages the last couple of weeks. And when the power goes out, like everyone just goes outside and they just like hang out outside. Mm. And so that's been a different experience for us. That's cool. Daniel, what about you? Difference between Minnesota and Colorado? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I've noticed anything. Okay. Sorry about that. It's it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Except we're lower. 
That's true. You are lower. Um, you can breathe easier here than you can in well, Denver. Well, this isn't the people. One thing I do love about Minnesota is just all the uh, like paved trails or whatnot. Like that's yeah. not a thing in Colorado. Yeah, my cousin mentioned you, that when he moved here from Denver. Like, like I can just go out for like a run or a bike ride and just go here forever. Yeah. Like you can just keep going as far as you want to go and it's all like separate from the road. Um, yeah, you don't really see that in Colorado. That's one thing that's really, really quite nice. Hmm. Yeah. I've only known Minnesota, so. Yeah. I actually don't. So the townhouse thing I didn't realize was really a thing until like I live with my brother and he bought a townhouse in Cottage Grove and no one knows each other at like on either side. Like I can tell you the weird things about all of my neighbors because they're super weird people. Uh, one of my neighbors was playing a, a pan flute for her cat. That's totally normal. Like, <laughs> All normal things. What's weird about that? Yeah, Sarah, maybe you're the weird one. I don't play <laughs> any instruments for my dogs. Uh, but like up at the cabin, I can tell you everything about like the, my neighbors, like on like going three cabins down on both sides. Yeah. So it's a weird, it's a weird townhouse thing. That is weird. So James, uh, technical director, it's kind of a interesting position in that people are always seeing the result of what you do, um, but they don't often see you. You're, you're oftentimes behind the scenes and, you know, working on a ton of stuff, but oftentimes all they're seeing is kind of the result of that. Um, and at least from my limited experience doing tech stuff, uh, you're most noticed when things are going wrong. Yes. That you, you almost <laughs> yes. don't want to be noticed. Um, yep. I'm curious, just what's that like being in a role that, I mean, especially here at WLC is like so incredibly important and yet is such a behind the scenes kind of role? Yeah, that, I mean, that's totally, totally accurate that we only get noticed when something goes wrong. And then you get to begin to see all like the heads turning back towards the tech booth trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on. And yeah, I mean, so the whole goal of adding technology to worship, whether it's like amplifying instruments or having a big screen going on, is for us to help communicate the word and the message of God to more and more people. I mean, if Pastor or if Pastor Tom didn't wear a microphone, it would be a lot harder to hear him when there's 500 people in the room, right? Like trying to hear one guy. And so we need to have microphones and same thing with the band. And as we are communicating sermons, having um, illustrations and points up on the screen help bring those things home a little bit more. So yeah, so there's a lot of moving pieces when it's all the lyrics and all the screens and we're controlling stuff for everyone in the room and controlling stuff for people at home also that are maybe watching a live stream or a recorded service. So there are a lot of moving pieces, but the thing that makes it all go is we've got a lot of great leaders in place that are the ones pretty much doing on a Sunday morning. And so my role on a Sunday morning is floating around between our campuses and helping solve issues that arise so that by the time rehearsal's over, that services go smoothly. And so we've got people doing sound and lights and lyrics and stuff all over our campuses every single Sunday. And I mean, that's a job way bigger than one person can do, especially when it's three physical campuses right now um, yeah. that, that it just requires a lot of volunteer help to make actually happen. So is that stressful for you or like being the, like putting out the fires kind of guy on like a Sunday or, or I don't know, is there a, a lot of joy in that? I really like it. I mean, um, 
maybe it's the board game thing, but I'm like a puzzly, like to solve puzzles kind yeah. of guy. And so like when there's something um, going on at Oak Hill and I'm at Valley Creek, I've got to figure out a way to fix that remotely, whether that's <laughs> um, logging into their computers from my iPad or driving up there, or maybe it's just walking through something on the phone with someone. Um, it's the, what's the easiest way to solve this problem that maybe I know what the problem is. Maybe I've still got to figure out what the problem is and how do we get that happening before service starts? Yeah. It's also interesting because I think the role, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, but, and I think this is part of the reason why you're so good at what you do is you really need to have such a servant heart. I feel like in being a, a tech director, um, cause you're kind of almost like the maintenance you know, team, but on the tech side of you're just serving people, you know, all these events and everything, you're just kind of the underlying, making sure things work well, putting out, fixing problems, you know, going, uh, all around, uh, just helping out wherever you can. And I think it's been so cool to see you just kind of flourish at doing that. I mean, out on the, you know, we, for the people who aren't part of the WLC community, we, we had this event out on our, we have a property of land where we have an outdoor, uh, fun night, summer night out event on Saturday night. And then Sunday morning we have worship and you hear that and you're like, Oh yeah, that sounds fun. Sounds great. Why, you know, let's do that once a month like that. That sounds great. What you don't realize is the insane amount of work from your side of things that goes into making, you know, that work well like people show up and, and they're like oh this is really awesome but they don't see like oh this is really awesome because james and the rest of the tech team and and all the other volunteers spent hours and hours and hours and hours all day all the day before you know setting things up like that yeah it's that week in advance rehearsals and prepping stuff and then showing up saturday morning at 7 a.m getting the trucks packed getting everything out there getting it all set up so that we can hang out with our, our community, have some fun on Saturday night and then worship together on Sunday morning and then pack it all up again and go home. And it requires a huge team of people to do that. We had 30 or 40 people out there on Saturday setting it all up. And so I had a piece of that puzzle to take care of the tech side of things, but there is, I mean, a lot of stuff going on. So it was not just me and my team, but a whole bunch of other folks right. out there making that happen. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so then, Beyond, like you said, this beyond Sunday morning, even it's other ministries doing stuff, whether that's youth ministry and kids ministry or whatever it is, like the technical side of things is like, in my thought, like a, a support ministry where like we're helping other things, helping facil facilitate other events and activities for other ministries too. And I do enjoy that. I'm, I'm a helper. I like to say yes to people and I like to make things possible when it's uh, within my ability to. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Side question. You camped at the property I did. on Saturday night because we had to have someone stay with the equipment what yeah. the entire time that it was at like on our site. Mm -hmm. How was camping that night? You know, um it would have been amazing. But except it was so windy. Um so <laughs> my tent like just was going absolutely well, you know, the entire, yeah. entire night. So that made it a little harder to sleep, but I will say I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night and <laughs> yeah, as most listeners want to know. Yes. Um, and it is so beautiful out there. It is beautiful like, at night. Yeah. I mean, you just, you could see all the stars. I mean, yep. it was, 
it was really breathtaking. So that was cool, but uh, didn't sleep much. Um, but no, it was great. It was great. You, when I showed up to drop off my brother because my car was still being fixed after getting stolen, I got my like. I finally got my car back after seven weeks, and that's very. Oh, oh no! <laughs> there we go. I really need to label these buttons. Uh, James and I actually had this thing when you were out of town. We were going to reorganize oh, re- all of your. <laughs> then you would make me really effects. go crazy. I'm already forgetting because so. I thought that that would have been really funny. Yeah, I thought been. it was a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> it was just during VBS, so we never ended up oh, making it gosh. out here. Anyway, um, yeah, you looked all excited about life when I got to the property uh, to drop off my brother early Sunday morning. Well, you know when you like. So you can have like a bad night's sleep, but you know when you sleep so little that yeah. you're kind of just carrying out, you still just are kind of going from the previous oh, yeah. day and then yeah. you'll feel it later in the day, yeah. but yeah, you just adrenaline and yeah, good. like y'all know that I hate mornings with everything that is in me. Um, how I work is if I get five hours or less or 10 hours and over, I, good. I'm good, yeah. but it's that middle like five to 10 that you get angry Sarah in the morning. So like tomorrow we're flying out to Houston. Uh, I have to be at the airport at 6 a.m. I know I'm going to sleep horribly tonight. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be raring to go tomorrow morning. <laughs> just, could just go to bed at like eight. What? That's huh? not, no. Or 10, 10 hours, right? That's physically impossible for me to go to bed. Well, have you finished packing? No, I haven't even started. <laughs> okay. My, <laughs> Kaylee hates this about me, but I'm also like that. I may push packing off until as late as possible. Like it's the it's we were talking about this before the podcast about just working better under stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that exact thing. Like I need to wait until it's like okay, we're leaving in like 20 minutes, and I haven't touched anything. And yeah, I don't know if I could do that mostly because we're leaving really early. But yeah, I don't like. I got home from the cabin yesterday. I threw my clothes in the wash that I know I will need to to wash and. I had to go get a suitcase. It was a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I have a suitcase. I had to go get another one that matched my suitcase. Had to match. It really. had to. I, wow. I'll send you a picture later of my <laughs> matching luggage. I really want to see. Uh, yeah. But I need to have it matching. So speaking of matching luggage, is there a specific uh, part of your job that brings <laughs> you joy, <laughs> James? <laughs> Love serious transitions. <laughs> I mean... That was a great transition. <laughs> Flawless. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I, I love the, the creative problem solving. Um, and I love helping people. And so, like, the fact that a lot of my job is made up of that kind of stuff is really, really cool. The other thing I get to do a lot is, like, figure out new technologies and how to Im- implement them and how to bring some new creative things to our worship and make it easier for our teams. And so... Part of like being the multi-site thing too is if we're going to roll something out at one of our campuses is how can we make that happen at all of our campuses with the volunteer staff that we have there. And so it's trying to create the streamlined um, path for everything and how to create systems that um, work really well across those campuses and so that one person can do one thing here that benefits both campuses instead of all three campuses having to do the same work over and over and over again. But, yeah. So I I love the the creative problem solving and and helping people though. Yeah, that's awesome. I I think about 
it's got to be kind of difficult, you know, someone who knows a ton about tech and like the best way things could be systems wise. But then you also have like a budget and like, all you know, and, and navigating and not even just a budget, but you also have most of the rest of the staff that you're working with don't like understand the benefit of, you know, certain things like, oh, you, in your mind, it's like, oh, yeah, if we add this thing, like, that'll be incredible. But to someone else, it'd be like, why are we spending that much on this? And yeah. it's a little bit of like a tension you have to navigate, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge. I mean, spending a million dollars, getting new sound systems and new drums and new keyboards everywhere, like, would streamline things and make it super duper easy that we have the same exact stuff everywhere. But that's a lot of money to spend to make that happen. So it's the attention of being a good steward of the budget we have been given and making it make the biggest impact uh, that we can. And then um, doing what we can on the with what we have to, I mean, continue to farther what we're doing. Yeah. So we are... Uh are we out of COVID? Is that is that a thing? I have I no know. idea. When, I think when? I think it's in like the endemic, endemic. stage. So it's endemic. like like it's not a pandemic, but okay. it's like one of those things that's, that's gonna live with us now. Forever. So it's like gonna be a flu or something. Okay. That's I from uh, Doctor Sarah. That is right from my mom summarizing <laughs> Apple News articles. <laughs> I, t- I, I, I take I that as truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is how fake news gets spread. <laughs> by Jane <yeah>, Dipper. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so when COVID hit, it's kind of an interesting thing to observe. Every church had to kind of rethink, yep. how are we... Literally everything. How are we using technology um, to kind of continue, right? We have this mission of advancing the gospel. Um, and we're kind of in this culture now where... Obviously, technology is becoming more and more prevalent, but when it comes to kind of churches, there's maybe a temptation to go kind of one or two directions, kind of either um, go all tech, everything, digital, everything, and maybe miss out on some of the like, you know, the human side of ministry or go to the other end of the spectrum and tech is the enemy and, you know, throw that all out. We just need to... Go back to how things used to be. Um, but I'm kind of curious, and this is more kind of open-ended for all of us, as we're kind of the you know future generation of the church uh, going forward. What do you guys see as the relationship that church uh, can have with technology? And maybe what's the best kind of combination of how technology can continue to amplify the mission of the church, I guess? Uh, I mean, it's a big question um but yeah i've got my answer but sarah do you want to go first nah you can I, let's hear your answer <laughs> and then sarah and i will debate it just kidding <laughs> yeah yep and so i was worship director at my last church and so um i was very much in a seat where i was making decisions of like how we handle pandemic stuff and how we're communicating with our community. And so like there was definitely the hard leaning into technology so that we can have our services online and continue to share the gospel with our community of folks that watched our services. But the struggle also in that seat was the community aspect of it. How do we continue to minister to our people? And so that is the big struggle, I think. I think technology allows us to communicate with more people and have a wider audience and do it in more 
creative ways that are more engaging, but you definitely need that people and community side of it. And that has been the struggle, I think, with most churches is, yeah, we now have a one-way conversation where we're feeding you services, but we don't hear back from you a lot. Right. And then that's kind of, you know, maybe the pushback you might even get from like online services is, oh, instead of in a you know normal worship service in person, there's a, you know, back and forth. You can see the people where it's, it's kind of a, a one way thing um, when it's just online. Uh, I've, you know, I've been thinking about this quite a bit and I almost wonder if it's, if, if, t- you know, tech ministry or just kind of the tech digital content just shouldn't be seen as like a, a substitute or, or not as maybe, or as like a one-to-one with in person. But what if tech was like just a completely different thing to sh- advance the gospel? So you mentioned one of the benefits to tech and uh, digital content is you have a much wider audience. Um, yeah. You can reach people. You know, one thing that's been super cool, I think to see with, um, just kind of sermons being online is social media. Someone can click share and suddenly hundreds of people that would have never seen that are now seeing that, you know, people who maybe would never step into a church. And so you have an opportunity to create a much wider net. So what if you can like utilize, you know, that to help, maybe that's a good entry point for someone into you know, before maybe it's hard for them to step into a church, but seeing something and that can help kind of soften things um, for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, online content that you consume in your own home or on your phone somewhere, like I think lowers the the bar of entry. Like it makes it a lot more accessible for folks to to share things and also like, hey, I've got questions about this. Let me watch a, a video about it without putting themselves out there, exposing themselves in public by going to a church and being surrounded by people that they don't know that they maybe think are weird. Yeah. I mean, so it definitely makes it more accessible for folks when we have content online. Yeah. What do you think, Sarah? Cause you're the social media director, manager, manager, yep. um, president. I am the president, president of Woodbury Lutheran social, social media. media. The prime minister. I'm, uh, I am the czar. The czar. <laughs> um, but you're kind of also in that realm as well, right? Of yeah. how do you utilize social media to, um, obviously it's a one way, it's kind of a one way thing. You're not really having a ton of back and forth. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on kind of just the relationship of technology and ministry and how they can work together? So I, I'm the type of person who needs to see like that, all of this isn't all that bad. Uh, and and like I, I think I can trace that all the way back to when I was a kid and wanting to make everyone feel better when, when my dad was super sick and being a three-year-old and realizing that people in the hospital were sad. But if I showed up, I could make people like feel happier because I was a, a cute little kid who got candy because I won over all the nurses. Uh, but I so when COVID hit... Like it was so hard because there was so much we didn't know, right? Like we didn't know how long this was going to last. We didn't know exactly the extent of any of this. We all just wanted to be back in person. Um, and so there was a bit where like I needed to take a step back and feel like, okay, what's what's the good in this? And 
like we aren't going to know probably how God worked in, in the midst of, of the, like the initial shutdown and everything, because, um, getting connected in a church had never been less intimidating. So like, like you said, they could, a friend could share a post and, and suddenly, um, this person who was kind of on the fringe with Jesus is now able to view services and kind of get their feet wet in Christianity and things like that. And so we don't know how the Holy Spirit worked in that and the amount of people that are going to be in heaven because they saw someone's church service. Like I, I think of all of our online stuff because I welcome people to our online uh, worship and like this is a super weird thing to me to get recognized in public like that's not someone connected with WLC. Like running into congregation members at at Target, um, Hy-Vee, all of I'm used to that by this point because that's what happens. But to be at Hobby Lobby with my brother on like a random weeknight and have one of the workers who I've never seen before in my life come up to me and be like, I watch you welcome us to worship every weekend. You're famous. Like it's super weird. My mom's neighbors... Like they watched me walk into my mom's place once because they were leaving when I was coming and they're like, how do you know Sarah? And my mom was like, how do you know Sarah? (laughs) And she goes, she welcomes us to worship every weekend. And my mom was like, that's my daughter. And she, then the neighbor was like, well, then how do you know the bearded guy who plays guitar? And my mom was like, that's, that's my son. (laughs) And so it's like, it's this weird thing of, of we like being recognized out in public for such a random thing. Um, but we won't know the extent and that's why I think the tech, the social media, all of that stuff is so important. And I know that people say that it, like I've read articles or I've heard people say things of how it, it's replacing the face to face ministry. And that's what scares people is that it's going to make the face to face obsolete, but like studies have shown that that's not the case. Like it's not an either or. So it's not right. either yep. you have the face-to-face ministry or you have the, there's a screen in between, but it's it's a both and. Mm-hmm. And so we are figuring out in this day and age how to reach people. Um, and it, it's the same with youth ministry too, right? Like teens are on social media. They are on Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok and I could just step back and be like, no, I'm not going to engage in any of these platforms because it will replace the connections I get to have with students. Or I can get on Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok and um, be open to all of the conversations that would not have happened unless I was in those spaces. Mm. And so like I get the most random TikToks from teenagers like they will like they see anything Jesus related that is like a like the Christian comedy TikTok whatever they'll send it to me most of the time it is funny and it makes me laugh out loud <laughs> um or if anything that has to do with Martin Luther like students will send that to me but it's a way of of being able to connect with them and so when it comes to tech and and social media things like it's a we need both yeah and things aren't the same as they were in, right? Nine, like when Woodbury Lutheran was starting in 1969. 
But right. at the root of it, we're still going to use these platforms to go out and multiply disciples and transform yeah. lives. Like I feel like Paul has something to say about like going out and meeting people where they are. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. And just because it's a couple thousand years later doesn't mean we should stop yeah. doing that. Well, and I I love what you were saying because it almost frames it like evangelism in that just as we would go to a you know go on a mission trip or go to a you know, a part of your neighborhood and, and share the gospel in the same way, these social media platforms are places mm-hmm. like that's places where people are g- gathering and kids a lot more now, uh, instead of in a physical location are in this digital location. And so if we just ignore that, you know, it's, it would be like if we were just ignoring a part of the world or just ignoring a community, uh, that's near us, you know, it's, and I almost wonder if reframing it like that of, okay, it's not a one-to-one. So the content we make digitally isn't to replace in person. Um, but instead it's almost more of an evangelism. It's an entry point into, and then someone experiences, uh, you know, the life of, of being a follower of Jesus in person. And I mean, this, my, my opinion is if someone you know, and this is maybe a little bit too of a broad stroke, but just uh, people when they experience your, you know, being in person and life of following Jesus together, like they're gonna want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's not everyone. Um, but but so using tech kind of as that entry point, and then and then and now the big question is right: How do you get that? How do you move? Sometimes it's hard to get move from just yep. consuming and. And then you have people that, you know, there's people who still um, just, you know, maybe should be in person and, and are still online. So that's the thing. It's messy. It, there's no clean, this is how you do it. But I think it's also not something we should just ignore. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, because if we, if we lose sight of that, then, like things aren't good, which is a very, like, I don't know if I thought that was going to sound profound when I said it out loud, because it definitely didn't. I hope you know we're ending the episode on that <laughs> phrase right there. It's just, you're going to start playing the exit music, aren't you? It's fine. They work together to multiply, whatever, just read the thing. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us, James. Uh, it was uh, fun to have you on and fun to just talk about uh, future of ministry uh, with tech and, and all sor- that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, the temperature in here, I'm on fire right now. I'm sweating up a storm. Um, and if, and it's if because po- you're wearing a flannel I shirt. I also am wearing a flannel in summer. In and July. This, in July. And if this podcast was fire, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Our transitions <laughs> Our transitions are so good. Uh, <laughs> leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. Um, we love putting these out and letting... Uh, All of us continue together on growing on this journey of uh, becoming more like Jesus as his disciples. Uh, Any information from today's episode will be in the show notes below. And I hope you're able to join us next week on the Disciples Mike podcast.